0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you, those of you who are able to join us this morning. Uh, Thanks for being here. And uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Charles, and uh, many of us have met. But if we haven't, I would love it if you came up and said hi after the service. I'd love to meet you. And uh, I want to also say hi to many of you who are at home this morning. I know many of us are isolating uh, ourselves a little bit to try and protect a Christmas visit with family. And uh, So hi, and uh, to you too, if we haven't met, please shoot me an email, maybe a picture of you or your family, and uh, I'd love to meet you in whatever way we can. All right, this morning we are looking at the story that we have been preparing ourselves to hear for the last number of weeks. Uh, in, In a lot of ways, what we've seen over the last few weeks is God moving in really spectacular ways amongst his people, and all of that has served the purpose of just preparing us to receive the news that we're looking at this morning, that Jesus was born into this world and came to be with us. And my hope this morning is just simply this one, that as we look at the story together, for many of us, we're looking at it uh, maybe for um, uh, maybe for not the first time, that it, it would strike us afresh and encourage our spirits, that we might look at this and, and really be truly renewed and strengthened Uh, by the wondrous news of what Jesus did on our behalf. Let's look together. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, I, I ask that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, will be good and right, pleasing before you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the wonder of what you did would seize our souls and that we would respond with joy and strength and be renewed in, uh, in, with this great news of the story of what you have done. So I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So with Christmas only five days away, I always think it's fun to reflect on just how unique this season is. Uh, the way that we celebrate Christmas is um, is just magical to me. Like, I love driving around through neighborhoods and seeing, you know, lights and uh, decorations on people's houses. That's always really, really fun. This year, I miss the Christmas parties that we do, like the the, the, every year it seems like each family has their own little hors d'oeuvres or whatever special things get broken out and drinks that we fill with nutmeg and cinnamon. Those are always really fun to me. I, I, uh, I have an unreasonable joy over eggnog. I can't really explain it. Uh, and even at night, the brake lights that cover 280 at night are a, are a sign of the sweet season that we're in together. So. But as unique as Christmas is to us, and wonderfully unique, uh, I would say that um, often this season is uniquely wearying for many people too. as we seek to you know coordinate visits with the family, uh, extended family, that can be that can be hard on us as we realize you know family and relational dynamics that maybe we haven't escaped yet. Um, maybe uh, we wrestle with our own discontentment or somebody else's discontentment as we give and receive gifts to each other. I've got a number of counselors, counselor friends, and, and therapists that that all tell me that almost without exception that this season represents for many uh, a, a spike in you know anxiety and depression, and uh, and many people find the celebration of Christmas or this particular time of year to be uniquely wearying to them. Why am I talking about that? When I look at this story, I, I see weary people too. And all I want to say to you this morning is that, um, is that newsable, and that's what I want to say this morning, is that this is good news for weary people. I'm going to take this on and, uh, and talk about weary people first, and then good news. Weary people, good news. And when we look at weary people, we should talk about uh, Mary and Joseph here in this story. Because it starts with Mary and Joseph making a long journey, about 80 miles to their hometown in Bethlehem. And they're doing it because they're going to be counted as a part of a census that, uh, that the, the, the occupying Roman Empire is demanding of them. And Mary is with child, And we think she was probably about 13 or 14 years old at this point. And that would be exhausting. And we know that they're poor. We don't know just how poor they are. But maybe they could have afforded a donkey or two to help them on this journey, but it's likely they couldn't. And the whole point of this census is so that they can pay taxes to Rome with money they may or may not have. And then there's no joyful family reunion when he gets to his hometown. There's not even a place for them to stay. And can you imagine anything more difficult than trying to give birth in a stable, which is what they do? It's like a very picture of weariness and exhaustion in the story. It'd be very hard. And then we look at the shepherds. We have to look at the shepherds. Shepherding was exhausting work. And and even more than that, um, in, in this time... In, uh, in history, shepherds were generally regarded as one rung above lepers in a leper colony, but you know the Mishnah testifies to that. And, and we find them in the middle of the night after a hard day at work, probably huddled around a fire, trying to keep warm as they might drop off to sleep. These are weary people in this story. And, and it's interesting to me, they're weary in very ordinary ways. Like there are some particular circumstances that are unique to their experience of of weariness, but in a lot of ways it's just ordinary one of my one of my favorite authors i'm coming to love him more and more the more I read him is Wendell Berry, and he talks a lot about uh, just the goodness of an ordinary life and the weariness that accompanies it and he, he kind of ever, ever, ever it seems like everything he writes kind of gets at that point in a lot of ways but one of my favorite lines is in one of his poems he says "We live the." The given life, not the planned. And if we're, if we're honest, we find that the ordinary life as we understand it, or the given life, takes us not around, but right through weariness for us too. And the question for each of us is, as, as we sojourn in faith together is not if we're weary, but how. Like what it looks like and how we experience it. There are signs of weariness that are all around us, and, and I would I would submit that it's really, it's really important for us to understand what we're looking at when we're looking at weariness. Let me give you an example of why it's important, um, and this might be a silly example. Maybe it will resonate with you or not, but um, when, growing up, I used to love to go backpacking with my dad. That was one of the ways that we spent time together. And growing up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, there were a lot of like opportunities for that and uh and and those were really critical times but we would do it so much that we got to understand when the other one of us was starting to get tired just by listening like when we would hear uh, when we would hear you know, somebody trip over a rock or root or a foot would start to slip or something like that, we would start to see that one of us was starting to get exhausted. And that was really important for us to understand because that's usually when injuries happen. And so interpreting the signs of weariness are really important. Let me give you another example. This happened earlier this week. So many of you know that I just love uh, the early morning hours—that's when I read and pray and study and think and write. Those those, those are kind of coveted hours in the morning that that I love to protect. And I'm driving into I'm driving into the office as I normally do. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, maybe Monday. I'm driving in, and uh, and I'm almost here when I get a phone call from Shonda that says, "Hey, you left your lap." I'm staring at your laptop back on the back on the coffee table, and I've got to turn around. And go all the way back to the place that we're staying in order to get back. And I am just unreasonably angry at this point. Like, I'm angry at traffic. I'm angry that none of the roads that I'm driving on seem to go straight. And I'm angry at people that seem to be right in front of me. And uh, I don't know if you can resonate with that at all. But, uh, but I'll tell you that um, I sh- something I should have been able to handle in stride, I'm angry about. And I would submit to you that that's Weariness. That that's just a sign of weariness and what it looks like for me. But the question I want to ask you is, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you when you're battling your own weariness? Or maybe, what does it look like for somebody that you love when you see weariness in them? And how do you talk about it? It's really important for us to wrestle with. And it's important for us to remember also that there is a cause to our weariness. And the Bible offers a proposition to us for just how we're to understand it. Because the Bible begins with a picture of a life that's full of energy and joy. That Adam and Eve enjoyed a very full relationship with God and with each other. And what we see is that their work was really fruitful. and And it was full of joy. And the food that they ate and the way they executed life together... Was was not wearying at all. And they had plenty to eat, plenty of good work to do. And when they violated their relationship with God by sinning against Him, a curse entered the world. And at that moment, everything they tried to do became harder. That work became toil. They had to work harder to get less. That their relationships with each other became strained. That raising families became harder and childbirth became pain. And their relationship with God became harder. Everything became harder in that moment. And the biblical proposition to you and to me is that every place that was intended by God to bring life and joy into our lives were affected in that moment. And I say all that to say this, it, it just didn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are or how in control of yourself or the things around you you are. There's really um, no part of our lives that can escape the reality of the curse that entered into the world that day. And look, you'll get no argument from me that this, that this year has been especially difficult, right? You'll never, you'll never hear an argument from me that, uh, that um, just how fatiguing a pandemic might be. I hope that this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But according to the Bible, the world was already weary. And one day, this this might end, we might be looking at this as a memory, but we'll probably still be weary on the other side. And the world that we interact with will be weary. And I say all that to say this, I just want to say this, because there's often so much shame attached to our feelings of weariness and fatigue. Like maybe we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing or we're not with the people that we're supposed to be with. But this is just a normal thing for our experience in life. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have the wrong job or that we have the wrong marriage or that we have the wrong diet. Like I think we all have to grow in our experience of these things and work toward health in those areas. But we, can't, we simply can't control our way out of this we need something else or someone else to rectify the damage that our sin has caused and i know it's not fun to think about this i know it's not fun to dive into it but we must we simply must because the more we understand this that this is the reality that sometimes we're trying to hide from the sweeter the good news of jesus and what he came for you and for me will be for us That this is only sweet to us if we really need it. And that's what we have in this story is really good news. That's what the angel came to tell the shepherds in the field that night. What did they say? They said, we have come to bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. You know, it's really funny to me. Every time angels are appearing to people in in these stories, they're telling the the people that, um, that they don't have to be afraid. It's like I got to get them settled down in order to tell them what they came to do, and uh, and it's what they do with the shepherds that night. And I want to unpack what they said, and and, and in the way that uh, the, the way that I want to unpack it is to talk about the content, um, the sign, and the response. The content, the sign, and the response. What did they say? They said, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy." That will be for all the people. And then going further, they said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then you see a band of angels join in singing. The sky lights up with the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And they say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a famous passage. I bet for very few of you, these are, these are, uh, these are new words, but these are, this is good news because what they are making the claim is that the long-awaited and prophesied Savior of the people of God has arrived in the form of a baby in Jesus, that this is exactly the one that the prophets have been talking about for centuries. And that he was born in the city of David just as he was prophesied. And even more, it says he is the Lord, that he is God himself who has come to be with them. And listen, he is the key to restoring peace with God that was violated with the curse. That he, that in this one, it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That when Jesus comes into the world and into our lives, you need to hear this then when He comes, He brings peace for us with each other and for us with God. And that is the hope that we have when we look at Jesus. The content of this news is so wonderfully good because that is the promise of Jesus that He brings with Him when He came to be with us. So that's the content. And the content comes with a sign. Like alongside the announcement They point to a sign. They say there'll be a sign for you. Go to the uh, to the city of Bethlehem and see it. And see uh, you you will see a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. That's the sign that's given to him. And 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 I bring this up because we we so often see like an announcement, and alongside it is a sign. Okay, like there's the content of an announcement alongside a sign, and that sign serves the purpose to bear witness to the truth of what was just announced. Think about every time we look at a story where Jesus performs a miracle. It's almost always accompanied by teaching from Jesus of some kind, that there's a sign being performed that points to the truth of what he just said. And that's what we have here. Is a sign being offered for the people that point to the truth that Jesus has come to be with them. And this is incredibly good news. And you can see it in the response of the people. And there's nothing that energizes the weary soul like good news. Am I right? Like just think about some of the good news we've heard over the last week or two it's been energetic. Why? Because it it gives us great hope. It gives us hope that that the weariness that, 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 uh, that we're experiencing might come to an end one day. And that's what we see in this passage. Because these shepherds, who were probably sleepy, you know, maybe thinking about another long day at work tomorrow, suddenly they are up and they are running. It says they ran with haste to go see what uh what the angels had told them about and then from there there's no slowing to their activity and their response what you see is it's just it's just really fun to look at look at verse 17 first they make a proclamation they start proclaiming what they saw when they saw it they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child they can't tell enough people about what they just experienced They went and met Jesus, and now they can't stop talking about it. So you see a proclamation. Like when you see something like this, you need to tell people about it. That makes sense. But you also see praise. They returned to their field glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen is what they said. So you got praise. You got proclamation. You got praise. They were so convinced of God's action in the world on their behalf that it moved them to Praise. And then finally, and you see this with Mary. You see pondering. It says she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It means she was thinking deeply about what the shepherds just told her about what they experienced and stored them in a place like sunk them deep into her heart in a way that she would never forget them. And i offer this response to you as a way that it might instruct us to as we think with faith about what our own response might be as we hear the good news about the birth of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Like each one of these are just wonderful for us to consider what our own lives might look like. Proclamation, praise, and pondering. Let me start with proclamation. You and I, just by being people? We are proclaiming things all the time, are we not? Like everything we do, like the things that we wear, the friends that we have, the people we have over at our house, the cars that we drive, they're all proclaiming something about what's important to us, right? Like, I'm not sure I was going to use this as an illustration or not, but I'll go for it. So um, if you look at the car that my, my wife drives the car that I used to drive, and if you look at it, you'll see stickers all over it, and you'll see a, a rack on top. And if you look at that car, you'll say, "Oh, hey, this person really loves outdoorsy, recreational, adrenaline activity that involves moving water." Like that's a that's a proclamation right there. And proclamation is so good for us not not just not just because uh, because. Uh, not just because the, like, this is the God-ordained way that people come to know Jesus, although that's critically important. But when we proclaim the truth about what we believe, we are actually reminding ourselves what we believe too. It's good for our hearts to tell people. And what we might find is that God would add people to the number through that. It's deeply encouraging to the weary soul to proclaim the truth of what we know and believe. So it's proclamation. And just like we're proclaiming something all the time, We're praising something all the time. Like we are a worshiping people. We were created to be worshipers. And when we praise God, as we do this morning or like throughout the week, we are orienting ourselves appropriately to the one who made us and the one who holds all things in his hand. And that is a great benefit to the weary soul because we are reminding ourselves whenever we worship or whenever we praise we were reminding ourselves that God is God and we are not. And we trust the one that holds all things in his hands. So there's praise, and there's proclamation praise, and then finally there's pondering. I want to talk about that for a second. Like, What does your heart ponder? In moments of quiet, if there is such a thing, what does your heart reflect on? It might be things that you're afraid of. It might be things that you're really fascinated in, or fascinated by, or interested in, things that it might be things that you want. Might be people that you don't like. The Bible tells us that whatever wherever our heart is, that's where our treasure is. And it's 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 just so sweet to me to see that Mary here is treasuring what she hears and pondering them in her heart. And so I want to challenge you to think about what it looks like for you to squirrel away some moments of quiet and pondering for yourself what it might look like for you to also ponder the truth about Jesus coming into this world and what that means for you. And I think you might find, and you might want to journal, you might want to pray about it, talk to somebody who knows you, but I think that you might find that the more you do that, the more wonderful Jesus will be to you. Proclamation, praise, and ponder—that's my challenge. Think about what those things mean to you as you examine your own life and your own heart. All right, let me give you one more thing, and then I'm done. There was a a documentary my family came to uh, came across not too long ago, called Free Solo. Has anybody seen this? I'm sure, I hope I hope you have. If you haven't, um, it's really fascinating. It's about a guy named Alex Honold. 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 I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's fascinating because he he uh, he's a he's a rock climber. He he climbs up massive uh massive rock walls on the side of a mountain and he's exceptionally good at it and uh and and he's also a little crazy because he does it with no ropes or safety gear at all and if you watch this uh documentary it will take your breath away because the camera will pan out and it will show you just how high up in the air he is and if he makes one little slip then he'll fall and, uh, and what I noticed while I was watching this with my family, I remember leaning over and telling Shonda, Shonda, my hands are sweating. <laughs> like every now and then, you're not just observing a story, you're experiencing it. And I think that's the kind of story that we have here this morning. One that we're not just looking at but one that's also our story as well. Because if Jesus really came into the world for His people, then that means if you look to Jesus with faith, then He came for you. And this story is your story too. Amen. That is good news indeed. Let me pray. Jesus, You are the the good Savior who came near who took on our own weariness, that we might join you in strength. And I pray that's what what we will be doing this morning, that you, Holy Spirit, would be strengthening us by reminding us of the good news of this story as well. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.